Welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast. My name is Phil Crimmins, and I am here with Chris Young, who has kindly agreed to talk to us about his experiences on the Mandarin Blueprint Method. And uh, before we get into anything specific about the method, I'm always curious, uh, what got you into wanting to learn uh, Chinese? And maybe you can uh, sort of frame that in a, in a self-introduction. Sure. Uh, this is actually a very long, ongoing project for me. Uh, you know, I've, I've been into, uh, well, I got into it years and years ago via Hong Kong martial arts films. Okay. Um, that was sort of my initial intro into uh, the language itself. And, and so I guess it was more sort of a blend of Cantonese or Mandarin, depending on which video cassette was available from the store. Mm -hmm. um, so that sort of got me into the whole uh, language part of Chinese. And so over the years, I would pick up books you know, here and there and try to learn some. Uh, it was funny listening to some of your commentary about the uh, rote writing of, of characters and the brute force method, because I've definitely gone down that path mm -hmm. um, trying, to, trying to learn. So, you know, unfortunately, most of the time that didn't stick. And so I'd put it aside for a few years and then I'd come back to it for a while. And, and so, yeah, this has been going on for the better part of uh, a few decades, actually. Oh, right, right. Um, until, uh, so last year, we were fortunate enough to actually travel to China for, mm. uh, for several weeks. Um, and I think just being there sort of rekindled the spirit of wanting to learn. And so I came back and poked around and ran across Banner Blueprint. Mm. Mm. Cool, cool, nice. So what, uh, um, how about your, um, your professional life? Is there anything about uh, learning Chinese that you're expecting to influence that side of things? Yeah, that's, you know, I, I looked at that question and, and was wondering, you know, would there really be, you know, I think uh, a while back, uh, you know, so the industry I'm in is the biotech industry. Mm. Uh, and there, there are definitely um, opportunities and companies in China uh, where in the past that could have been something I could have done. Maybe if I had language skills, potentially look at a, uh, a position over there. I think at this point, that's probably not feasible. So most of what it is for me is going to be personal. Really. Sure, sure. Well, in a way that can be uh, sometimes that's like, you know, it, while the professional goals can certainly be motivating, uh, sometimes if you can manage to find the goals that are simply associated with uh, interest in the language itself and sort of just your own personal desire to watch the, uh, say, uh, martial arts films and not need the uh, translations or things like that, you know, that can sometimes be even a sort of a deeper motivation because it's, it's a motivation that exists for itself, its own sake. So um, mm. that can, you know, I mean, I, sometimes it's harder to find that uh, comparatively, but it's also, you know, it, it, it has the potential to be even more gratifying. So I totally understand that. And actually for me, I started off thinking like, you know, I'll do this so that I can have a better uh, skill set on my CV, but uh, it quickly changed as I started to learn the language because I found myself, uh, very interested in how the language was structured. And I sort of realized bit by bit, I was like, wow, this is really cool how it's sort of changing how I think and stuff. So uh, I'm sure that you'll have no problem as long as you keep going. So um, that, that's cool. That's cool. So nice. Um, so apart from that, so you're, so you're basically, you're looking at the situation where you're interested in it because of decades of, you know, seeing various Chinese cultural things. When you were in China, what part of China did you travel around? And like, what did, what, memories stick out to you of your time there i'm curious yeah so we we did sort of a, a semicircle we started uh, in beijing uh and then went down to uh xian and then chengdu oh, and nice. then over to over to shanghai 
Okay, perfect. Yeah, a little, little loop there. Nice. Right. Yeah, so it was sort of a, you know, we had three weeks to, to fit this in. And so we figured we'd do sort of a greatest hits, um, mostly kind of exploratory to see where we might want to go back. Um, so that uh, going back is still on the list if we can ever manage to do that. But uh, really for us, it was, you know, like I said, we wanted to see, see sort of the major things. Um, you know, it's funny. People ask like what we like the most about it. And, and there's the obvious sort of uh, key sites and things that you see, you know, the great wall, the terracotta warriors, the pandas, you know, a ton of other stuff. But really for me, it was is sort of the, more off the beaten path, at least for, for Western travelers type of stuff um, mm-hmm. that I've seen. Like, um, you know, we went out to some uh, smaller towns and like went up to some mountains and did cable car rides out there. Um, you know, just in general though, just the walking around the cities and how friendly the people are mm-hmm. um, was just really surprising to me. You know, I, I did not expect it, but at the same time I didn't expect it. Um, sure. Plus how easy it was to get around. Uh, I mean, I I was just stunned with just how simple it is to, you know, ride a bus, ride a train, take a cab, take all sorts of stuff, not speaking really any Mandarin at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, the infrastructure projects they've done, especially since 2008 is uh, it's so, it's so fast and so vast that we're like, it's, it's almost, you don't have time to be amazed. You know, it's like in 12 years, what they've done with just the rail system alone and yes. then if you include subways in that as well it's uh it's crazy it's like a, a big web they've built across the country and what it's a very um it's a it's quite a strong way to deal with their uh rural poverty problem because or at least you know attempt to not i shouldn't say deal with as if it's like it's over but it's a it's a good way to help people who are in rural areas have an avenue that isn't overly expensive to get to an area with more opportunity. It's like every day I hear about new train routes to some city I've never heard of. And I think, well, mm. for all those people in that city, now a train ticket's like, you know, something that could get you to a place where you could find a much better job or something like that. So it's, it's really uh, quite impressive. <laughs> Heck, even my neighborhood, they just opened two sublet subway lines about, you know, a hundred meters from my, apartment complex that they've been working on for the past four years and uh it's amazing it's really easy to get around so i, I can definitely <laughs> dig on that and, yeah that and the um and i would be remiss if i didn't also say the food i mean that was a big part of us going there was was to sort of eat our way through china and see the different regional cuisines oh yeah oh yeah well you you can talk, I can talk about food all day. You're catching me at the end of a, I, I, every six months I do a little extended fast and I'm on the last day of a five day fast today. So <laughs> I'm thinking about that food too. So. <laughs> all right. Well, apologies for bringing that up. Oh no, no, no. It's fine. I actually, it's the hardest part of a fast is like day two. So I'm fine. But <laughs> yeah, but I've been thinking about like, like yesterday I was, I found myself musing. I was like, wow, so much great cuisine in China. I was like, I wonder why I'm thinking about this. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, did you do you recall specifically the the Sichuan food? Oh yeah, that that was actually one of the one of the focal points for us because you know we 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 love that style of food and having it over here in the states we're like okay we think we've found some decent places, mm. um, but truthfully after going there and coming back it's no yeah night and day I mean yeah yeah it's really amazing amazing here any little shop you go into you can have that mala flavor which is the sort of numbing pepper plus spicy that's mm-hmm. the combo they go for here they're very proud of it 
they're always like yes we can we can eat spicy here <laughs> oh yeah but, uh, yeah it's funny it's 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 a kind of spicy they can eat if you give them like more uh chili pepper based or like cayenne pepper based stuff they're gonna they'll find that to be too spicy but if you like or more like kind of mexican type of spicy they'll also find too spicy but if it's there huh. you know it's, it's it's a different type of spicy it's definitely it's the only word to describe what it is but it definitely doesn't taste like say you know a good tex-mex meal or something like that no. it's different in terms of the spice but still though uh people really like it here you know it's funny in Chengdu, there's no lines for like a club at night but there's long lines for the hot pot restaurants so yeah. it's like the friday night hangout is the hot pot restaurant which is pretty funny um awesome well that must have been such a cool experience i definitely hope you have a chance to get back here soon i mean uh certainly you know, China for the past six months, it's, it's getting kind of crazy. For the past six months, this is uh, end of October 2020. It's been just normal. I mean, there's uh, public transportation, really? you're required to wear masks. But like, other than that, you know, it's just been normal life. You can go to restaurants, you can, you know, do all the things that, you know, you need to do. And it's, I hope that uh, soon, you know, things can can get back to that in other parts of the world. Because as soon as they do, I'm sure China will be happy to open back up to them because, uh everything's fine here they'd like to have the tourism uh, again i'm sure so um yeah so let's talk a little bit more about finding the mandarin blueprint method and you know what your experiences were getting into that so um you know first of all how did you uh how did you find us was it just you know cruising around the internet or did you read an article or something no this was completely random um you know like i said after going to china and coming back it sort of re focused me on wanting to learn. And so I spent some time just searching around on the internet, you know, and seeing what was out there, different sites, what people wrote about it. Um, you know, I don't even recall exactly where I ran across the, the um, initial link to the site for you guys, but uh, you know, I clicked on it. I started reading through some of the material you had and, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure we'll dig into a little bit more, but that's sort of what caught me just the random search and then the initial jump to the site. Right, right. Okay, cool. So that was, it was basically, you know, once you were on the site, you read around and gave it a shot. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's obviously, that's what we're, what we're hoping for. Luke works uh, very hard on the, uh, the website, like uh, in, in the company, we obviously both share some roles in various things, primarily in the teaching. Uh, but uh, it, in terms of Luke is very focused on the front end, the website and the presentation of everything. So I'm sure he'll be, uh, he'll be happy to hear that. And, um, yeah, you know, I'm, I focus a little bit more on the like the course and what's going to happen like you know way down the line after you're a member already for for years and years but uh so um and then you get into the course did you uh start a free trial or did you do pronunciation mastery first or uh, how did you get started yeah so you know i don't remember exactly i think i may have done initially a free trial for like a week or so but i i know pretty quickly i jumped into the pronunciation course i said you, you know if i'm gonna do this i might as well do it mm -hmm. um and so I started the pronunciation course. And I think after just being in that shortly, I was pretty much hooked. I said, okay, at the very least, I'm going to work my way through this course and see where, where that takes me um, and go from there. And, and, you know, it didn't take long to decide that this was the right path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, Luke did such a great job with that course. So it's, uh, I was, you know, I always, um, every now and then we'll get a comment and somebody will ask a question about a specific thing that Luke said, and I'll have to go back through the video. And we made those videos back in like early 2018. And I was looking through some of the videos and I was like, man, he does such a good job of explaining all the little details. And I forgot, I'd forgotten, you know, and it's like, 
so yeah, I'm sure that that was a pretty good experience. And so the, did you find yourself confident that you were able to say the different syllables correctly after that course? Yeah. I mean, at least I, I had a sense that, okay, I, I think I know what I'm supposed to be saying when I see mm -hmm. this particular uh, yeah. sound, whether it's actually coming out of my mouth the way I'm hearing it internally, who knows, but yeah. um, you know, and you both have spoken to that particular dilemma numerous mm -hmm. times, right. About, you know, further on getting somebody to, uh, to speak with, you know, shadowing people and stuff like that. But um, yeah, in terms of how I felt confidence wise about distinguishing the different sounds and being able to say them. Yeah. I mean, I felt like I got to the end of that course and had a pretty solid basis and all that. Yeah. Now that said, it's still something that I do pop back in every so often to refresh, you know, to make sure that I'm not sliding into bad habits. Mm -hmm. um, so, so it's good for both the intro as well as just continual refreshment of, of things that you already know. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Pronunciation as we established very early is the kind of thing that you never completely stop thinking about, you know, it's uh, it just becomes less of a focus over time, but you know, I'm, I'm, I started learning Chinese in 2013 properly. I mean, I'd learned some things before 2013, but uh, I started really focusing and then, and uh, I still to this day will think about, you know, various pronunciation things. It's just more on the level of like how to make a, a sentence really uh, flare well, or, or how to, you know, make sure that you, use the right tone of voice which is different than just the tones you know it's like sort of that type of thing can you know, but it's all it's all just uh, a process it comes i think if you set the foundation well then it, all those things eventually become easy like it's funny because learning any language essentially what you have is a huge list of tasks that you need to do like 10 to 20 times each before you become competent in them but can you make that process of that happening uh, fun and if you set the sound foundation well then that process can actually feel I mean learning if you're doing it well it feels really good right so it's like but it, it doesn't feel good when you're not sure if you're on the right path so um, hopefully that's what we set you up for so then okay so you finish pronunciation mastery and you go into uh, our uh, wacky way of learning characters that involves imagining yourself in different places and all of that so when you uh, started doing the Mandarin Blueprint method and specifically the Hensley movie method, um, what were your thoughts about it initially? Have you had any past experience with using uh, mnemonics uh, to learn, you know, various things? Well, so it's interesting, you know, I was thinking through this before the talk and, and, you know, when I first ran across the method and was looking into it, to me, I was like, I was a little skeptical, you know, because I'm like, okay, is this another one of these where it's okay, you're going to talk to me for, you know, 17 lessons about memory palaces and how to build them and all this stuff. And then I'm going to end up knowing, you know, a lot about superficial memory palace theory and not much about Mandarin. Right, um, right. You know, so, so I walked in kind of skeptical, um, but honestly, the, the, the way it's sort of broken down and after working through the first few times on how it goes and, and with the explanations about why you're doing the certain parts of it, right? Why the different components in a scene are there and how they interact. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's, it's like ridiculously straightforward and, and simple and effective, mm -hmm. you know, and, 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 you know, not to sound like a spiel about this, but it really is looking back, you know, I, I every so often think back to some of the earlier days in this and, and um, you know, it, it does take a little setup, but again, mm -hmm. the way you sort of have all have laid everything out there where it's a, it's very much a, a stepwise building block process. Um, I think that makes it very, very effective. 
Yeah, yeah. We just tried to, we figured that the best thing to do is just break it down into its simplest parts. And then eventually, once you know how it works, we don't need to hold your hand quite as much. But, uh, you know, the idea is just that. But then what happened is that all these people kept giving us their uh, mnemonics. They were sharing them with us uh, on, or well, sharing them with everybody mm -hmm. in the comments section. We were like, oh, well, we can keep helping people even further in. But our initial thing was like, for the first 105 characters, we'll walk you meticulously through every little thing and then we'll say run free um but uh at that what's happened is that after 105 characters so many people have left great uh suggestions and we just share those in the podcast and then they end up on the course as well and uh that so it's like it's even not just us anymore uh, in terms of that which is great because you know when we think about we learn from a book remembering the simplified hands by james heisig and uh that was fine but um it had some obvious missing parts and of course it didn't have anybody giving their suggestions so if james heisig gave a suggestion that we didn't follow or identify with or whatever it's just like okay you're on your own to figure it out and so yeah i can i can understand that so like at what point do you think that you your skepticism kind of melted away you know probably around 10th 11th 12th character somewhere around there where i suddenly realized that these characters were sticking with me mm -hmm. uh, and and that you know I, I could just be walking around during the day and i would flash back to a character i had learned like the first or second one and, and it just was there right mm -hmm. um you know that started to sort of make me think okay they might be onto something now let's wait and see after i get maybe to 30 or 40 am i still going to retain this or is it just the fact that i've only got 10 floating around my head right now sure um you know, and then it just the more I kept cramming in there, the more I kept retaining, and I was pretty much sold. I mean, you get up to about character, you know, 40 or 50, and by that point, it's, you know, if you're trying to do just rote memorization, I don't really think it would stick as much as it was. And, and right. that combined with the fact that it was just fairly effortless to mm -hmm. bring some of these back to recall, that's what sold me. Sure. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, you know, one of the things that we learned uh, in August, because we ran a, uh, a little sale on lifetime access, which I saw that you uh, also uh, took part in. So thank you for that. And uh, we learned during that time, we were like, you know, the type of people who do well with Mandarin Blueprint are those that give it at least, you know, a month or two, or, or at least a good few weeks of like doing it every day, because it takes a little bit to understand the value proposition in it. Like we can, we can try our best in our marketing materials to be like, this is why it's good. But at the end of the day, you kind of have to feel it. You have to experience it. You have to go into your memory palace. And then like you say, get to character 40 and go, I still remember them, you know? And then that's what, that's the point where you go, Oh, well, if I did this for, you know, 1500 characters and I hope that we can eventually get it all the way to all the material in the HSK six and all that, then it's just a matter of showing up every day. Cause it's like that confidence is so key. I remember when I was uh, learning Chinese, obviously like everybody else at the beginning, I was like, can I really do this? Is this stupid? What am I, mm -hmm. you know, am I going to find myself um, asking, but am I going to just be kidding myself that I tried to learn the hardest language in the world? And then eventually once I realized that the character learning system was working and then like the next step for me really getting confidence was realizing how much of an advantage that was that I was learning characters because I was seeing all the people around me learning Chinese in the uh, sort of traditional way in university um, or with tutors and they just were focusing so so little on characters not enough on characters and so I I started to realize wait a second 
if you learn the characters, the language feels so simple. It's like, especially simple sentences. You're like, well, this is just like caveman speak, you know, most of the time, if you know the constituent parts, if you don't know the constituent parts though, I mean, it's so confusing. So I, once I realized that the way I was approaching it was going to make my life easier, I obviously wasn't even close to fluent or literate yet, but I knew I was going to succeed. And that was like a huge, you know, once you get to that point, then it's what they say, give a man a, a why and he can bear almost any how. I was just like, I, I got it at this point. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I've gone back and picked up some older sort of um, grade school or, or, yeah, probably early grade school Chinese books for, for Chinese kids, mm-hmm. right? And, and sort of yeah. looked at some of the sentences there thinking, oh, maybe I can read some of this now. And sure, there are bits and pieces, but it's still sort of, uh, almost like they're starting with like here here's a bunch of sentences or match this to that mm-hmm. and just learn this you know and and to me it's it's i don't know i feel like i'm getting a lot more value out of the system in manner of blueprint just because now that i'm on to simple sentences you know all these characters that i spent all this time learning all of a sudden it's like i can just look at them and go oh well i know that one and that one and that one and okay i can kind of get an idea of what's going on here yeah um, and that sort of success, that reward factor that comes mm-hmm. out of that, uh, that's like totally helpful. I mean, I can like walk around in my neighborhood now and just look at random signs on some of the Chinese markets and things and go, oh, okay, I know what that means. I know what that mm-hmm. means. I don't know what the whole sign means, but at least that, again, that simple reward mechanism is still yep. there. Yep. Yeah, no, it's a, the, that's, uh, I was, you've been watching a lot of um, podcasts lately with neuroscientists and this guy uh, was explaining that. He, he was saying that dopamine, it, our, our sense of it is a little bit simplistic in the sense that we go, oh, it's the reward chemical that we get and it feels good. And it's like, he's like, that's kind of correct. But what's even more, an even more accurate way of describing dopamine is that dopamine is the chemical that gets released when what you're doing is, um, you know, mo- motivating you to continue towards your goal. And that does feel good. But like, if you've set something up that you are trying to achieve and you're successfully achieving it, dopamine is the chemical that gets released. So it's like, it definitely, we tried to make the course such a way so that each little step is a little victory and you know, okay, well, for sure, I'm gonna need to know this character. I must need to know it. It's a high frequency character. It's a major part of the language. So if you succeed in learning it and then you learn a word from it and you go, oh, this word means, to read a read a book or this word means uh to wait for a moment or this word means etc it's like okay yeah uh, that's going to be something i'm going to need so of course it feels you know good to to win make those little wins and then you just keep having little wins every day for a couple years and next thing you know you can uh, understand everything so it's uh, it's yeah. quite a fun process for sure um i'd agree yeah so let's talk about individual character learning so what these days now that you're uh, in level 15 so you know that's like what about 130 characters or so around there and uh yeah it looks like level 15 is 144 characters so at that point you've done 144 mnemonic scenes maybe there were a few characters you knew before or something but around that so how long now do you feel like it takes to land on a make a movie lesson page put all the pieces together and come up with your scene to memorize the character. Yeah. Um, On average. And, and, and I, well, I definitely say less than a minute. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just seconds, depending on the character and, and sort of the props that are in there. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it just springs right to mind. Other times I have to think about it a little bit, but 
no, less than a minute for the most part. Really, the, the slowest part is entering it into Anki. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, putting the scene in there. And I've got a system where I'll, like, color code certain words, like, that go with the symbols for one thing. And so when it pops up on the slide deck, it's easier to, to, to recall and look at. But, yeah, less than a minute. No problem. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Do you always write down the scene? I do. Because um, mm. to me, it's one of these things where, you know, in the case where we're down the road, I can't recall a particular item in the scene or a particular, you know, way things might be positioned. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd like to have it there so that I can, I can review it. Um, sure. Also, you know, by writing it down, it helps sort of fix it. You know, I'm forced to visualize it as I'm writing it. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And so that to me reinforces the, the scene a little bit more right at that initial point of learning the, the character. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. have a little doubt through. that in the moment it can help, but I, I will just, I'll, I'll make a suggestion for, since you're going to continue to expand and you're going to continue, continue to get more characters in sentences and then sentences in paragraphs and you get into phase four and, and beyond that, uh, you know, cause the purpose of the hands of movie method is to bridge the gap between the time you first see the character and don't know it exists and don't even know it's a thing to uh, seeing it in context and never forgetting it again. Like, so in the same way that at some point in your childhood, you uh, figured out what table means or what orange means or what cat means. Um, and you never, it's like, it's, you got it for life, right? Uh, there is, because the way Mandarin Blueprint does it, we try to make it so that it's like you have a scene that's strong enough to get you to remember the flashcard a few times. And then we show it to you in a word. And then we show it to you in a sentence. And then we show it to you in a paragraph. It may be that you don't need to remember the scene even all that long. Like you might not even, you might forget the scene two weeks from now, but because you had the, the scene held you, like, you know, t it tided you over long enough so that you could see it in context a number of times. And then you just, you just have it because then you're going to continue to see it in context as you move forward. And so because that's true, because you're going to also get top layer enforcement of the fact, I think you can experiment a little bit with just trying to remember the scene and then move on. I'm not saying you can do it however you want, of course, but like that will be a little bit more efficient if you're able to do that. And I think that I believe that you will be able to, uh, should you want to, I mean, obviously, um, writing it down i'm sure that that enforces the scene but you could consider that as a um you know because like you say it's the slowest part uh, writing it into anki so well yeah and i mean that, that is a good point i mean and there are definitely um characters now where that sort of need to look at the scene or anything really isn't there right i, I see the character and just the strokes alone it just springs to mind right it's sure. sort of same thing as in english um yeah. you know that that being said the progression, the pace of progression that I have in the course, just given the other constraints on my time is fairly mm -hmm. slow. So for me, it's like, if, if I'm, if I'm getting through, you know, however many characters in a week, there's sort of a level that I try to keep it at that works. So, I mean, but I definitely will experiment. I mean, and like you said, I mean, hopefully, you know, another hundred characters or so down the road, I am at the point where I can be just looking at a character, make the scene and move on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing too, is that, the idea, at least sort of what memory athletes would say about this type of thing. Um, you know, I was watching a little video of a memory competition the other day, which is about the most boring thing you'll ever see. Cause it's just a bunch of people with sunglasses on and ear coverings, just standing there <laughs> like, yep. with their eyes closed, but I've seen um, the documentaries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what they would say is that if you're setting up your scene and you're, of course you're 
you're going to continue to get better at the um, the different scenes. And you're like, you're probably at a point now where you can start considering things like, you know, what the memory athletes all say, sure. Yeah. Like violence and sexuality, they're memorable, but they're also kind of beginner techniques. When you get better, it's more about like making the scene remind you of a deeply emotional thing that happens in life. It could just be even a deeply emotional scene from a movie that you saw that, you know, pulled on your heartstrings or something, but, or it could be an actual experience you had. But the idea is that, they're saying, why do you remember that in the first place? Is it because you wrote it down? Like, no, it's that you just remember it because the things that happened are inherently memorable. So if you can manage to sort of um, hack that process and make it happen in the scene, you know, um, I think what's it called? Um, uh, oh, so you see, of course, I can't remember which one of the memory athletes it was who said this. I think it might have been uh, Joshua Four, but he said he started off, or maybe it was, well, whoever it was, he started off his speech saying, Imagine that you're standing out your front door and a hundred naked people are running at you with chainsaws. And it's like, that would obviously be rather intense. And it's like, I never needed, even though I couldn't remember his name, I never needed to remember that scene. Like I never needed to write that down. Let me just make sure I remember what he said there about the naked people right. running at me with chainsaws. Like that's, that's inherently memorable. So it's the kind of thing where, um, you know, uh, if you, as you get better at it, I'm sure that you could, you could forgo the writing if you wanted to, but still that's a, it's, if you're taking it slow, I get your point is like, well, if you only have time to do a character or two, and then you maybe tomorrow, you don't have time to do anything, then, you know, you might as well write it down and it'll be easier to remember. Um, so as you've been moving through so far, not that you have to, but if you could boil it down to maybe two or three points about the course that you find to be the most uh, impactful, um, you know, and anything from pronunciation mastery all the way through to where you are now, uh, to Anki or whatever. And what have you found to be the most impactful so far? So, I mean, definitely like we talked about earlier, the pronunciation mastery just in general, like as a big chunk, right? Mm -hmm. I think that to me um, made a big impact just because of the whole foundation and, and the comfort level provided with the sounds and the characters and just the whole sort of general building blocks that I was going to be working with over mm -hmm. time. Um, yeah. Uh, as I've gotten more into the, the foundation course stuff, uh, the the native speaker audio mm -hmm. to me has been a really key part because sort of hearing the, the difference in um, sort of the range and the speed with which they say the words between, you know, Annie and I don't remember his name, but Jerry, um, Jerry, um, you know, so hearing that sort of variation, uh, especially like they'll say some sentences a certain way or maybe others they recorded at a different time. And so it comes out a different way. And that, that sort of variation comparing how I sound relative to them, especially now in the sentences uh, for me, seeing how the different um, subparts of the sentence all link together acoustically, right. Yeah. You know, on how they flow from one, you know, maybe pair or triplet of, of characters into the next, you know, they seem to be linked in very distinct ways and, and how the pacing is. Um, that's been a huge benefit to me. Uh, just sort of trying to mimic that and, and emulate what they're doing. Um, and then the chat boards. I, I mean, really, like you talked about, you know, just getting other ideas from people. So the occasional scene where I might get stuck, not quite have a good idea or I come up with one, I don't really like it. Um, scrolling through what people have posted on there. Yeah. Sometimes will trigger a better idea and I'll just, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with a wholeheartedly plagiarizing from people's ideas, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's only in your head. That. It's not like you're exactly. making money off it. <laughs> nope. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
So both the input there and then also using those chat boards to post questions um, to the two of you, just mm -hmm. the response rate back on those things has been great for little points that may have bugged me about certain things. Yeah. So the chat boards, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's great to hear. Well, that was going to be my next question. So yeah, that, that, uh, because the, um, you know, for us, it's so it's invaluable that the communication that everybody has with us, because it just gives us a, what do people want? You know, what, what is it that they keep asking about? And if they keep asking about something, then it means we need to make something to, to cover that point. Uh, and then, you know, it also gives us a chance to give people, um, direct access to us so they don't feel like they're alone like it's like we can't you know obviously we're only two guys so we can't be everybody's individual tutor but we can at least be the uh coaches to be like okay you're not clear on this point so let me uh either write an article about it or just give you a quick video response or you know maybe it's a simple question i can just write a sentence or two but it just makes such a difference for us to, as a compass to know where to go next i mean obviously we have our grand plans for the course that we've had since the beginning but like uh there's so many little things that we would have never thought to do if it weren't for the people in the course asking about it. So it's been really valuable. And so, you know, um, is there, uh, are there, are there any other elements of the uh, sort of community aspect? Do you ever uh, take time on the forum? Uh, I, I can't remember if I've seen you on there. Probably not. I mean, I, I typically, I, I'm not someone who participates a lot in sort of the chat boards and the forums. I tend sure. to just sort of, get in, look at the content, I might sort of browse and lurk behind and read some of the stuff, but typically, no, I don't. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, but now that I have, you know, put a few questions out there, I think going forward, it's probably something I will try to leverage more, just um, you know, from what I've seen and reading it from listening to other users' um, experiences, you know, some of these similar sort of uh, uh, interview sessions with them and, and how they've provided feedback and gotten benefit from the community sessions mm -hmm. sections. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think going forward, I probably will. You know, I just mm -hmm. think it's something I personally have not utilized so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's totally fine. I mean, obviously, uh, it's uh, the community forum is funny. That was something we just uh, are the platform we run it on Kajabi. They just one day were like, hey, we have a forum option now. And we were like, all right. So we set it up and we, we didn't really think much about it. We just, I think one day Luke did like a quick and dirty, like, okay, we'll make a help topic, make an Anki topic and like make a introduce yourself topic or something. And then we'll just set this up. And then, you know, every day we get a few posts now and it's, um, it's very cool, you know, especially because one of the things that Luke and I were worried about a little bit was what's going to happen if we, you know, get loads of people coming in and the amount of questions coming in each day is overwhelming. Uh, and so far it hasn't become overwhelming partially because of the forum. It's like people will let's i mean people are so nice like they'll answer questions and they're under no yes. obligation to answer anybody else's question and yet they somebody will be like i'm having this problem with anki and like i'll see the question come into our email when i wake up and then i'll go to the question i'll see that three people have already responded with the perfect answer and i'm just like wow that's great it's, it's very nice of people to do um so okay so the, the 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 community aspect has been good so how about um you know how where we can improve so as we've been going as you've been going through what have you thought about that you're like okay i'd like to see this upgraded or whatever or this um you know i feel like this section here is not complete or i want this thing anything like that that you think we could do to improve the course yeah uh, i was looking back through it um so I guess for full disclosure, I think there are parts of the site that maybe I haven't fully taken advantage of or even really found. Like for example, uh, I, I was wondering about the search capabilities of it. And so I, 
before this call, I jumped on there and I did some quick searching for things and realized it's actually a little bit more powerful than I realized. So that's just maybe me not taking advantage. So, Mm. um, you know, that said, maybe it might be, there might be some ways to sort of make more obvious some of the full functionality of the site. You know, Mm. I, I kind of tend to get a little heads down and I'm like, I'm in this lesson, just progress to that button that says mark completed and move to the next lesson. Right. Um, you know, and there's, I know there's the stuff on the sidebar, which is useful. Uh, one, one thing I would like to see is um, every so often there's a particular lesson, which I find has really useful information in it. And it might be, be a video part I want to go back and listen to, or there's something in the comments even. Um, I tend to just add that as a bookmark in my browser. Mm-hmm. Um, it would almost be nice to have a favorites tag for different parts of, of the um, course that you could go back to. Right. You know, that was sort of internal to the course as opposed to a bookmark in a browser. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. I, um, I wonder, I wonder if that's technically possible with what we're doing, but yeah, that's definitely worth uh, looking into. Cause yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, I, I always thought of that. Yeah. You could bookmark stuff, but, um, yeah, it's a good point. If it were internal to the course, you could just have my favorites somewhere that's easy to mm-hmm. access from like the toolbar at the top or something that could be uh, a great idea. Yeah. I'll look yeah, into that. I'll see if that's possible. Okay. And then the one other thing, and this has come up fairly recently for me is, um, and I think I threw a question out to you about sentence structures. Um, And I totally get the whole thing. Like the more we see it, the more we'll understand and just sort of roll with the punches and and go with it. And that, you know, it makes sense. I've got that. You talked about this one of the podcasts about some of us are wired to have that, you know, well, I just, I got to know why thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's fine, you know, but, But what might be nice is, you know, the first few times we run across maybe a new sentence structure Mm -hmm. just to even highlight it, you know, so that visually we see like, oh, here is this sort of structure that you're going to be running into now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Don't even have to explain it, just at least sort of just a a little highlighted thing that's like, okay, pay attention because this is something you're going to start seeing more of and just a little uh, sort of bell like that. Mm -hmm. Um, That might be nice. You know, for me, it would be helpful. I was thinking, um, you know, some really simple thing I could do uh, in, say, level 13 when you first get to sentences is just put um, a little, just little indicators of where the words are separated in the sentence, you know, because obviously Chinese is just a wall of text. And I mean, obviously, if you know the words, it's easier than people think to be able to tell where the borders are between words. But sometimes, uh, you know, you can you know, put the border in the wrong place and the sentence is incomprehensible. And then you just, all you have to do is just switch your, switch the border and you go, oh, suddenly it clicks. So I was thinking maybe in level 13, the first thing I could do is just go through all the sentences and just make sure there's like a little, um, there's this one character in Chinese typing that's just like a little dot that goes right in the middle between two characters and like it kind of separates them. Uh, I was thinking maybe I do that and uh, just make it clearer. Okay, this is where you, we're saying, you know, Mama the pungyo, right? It's like sort of put that space in there so you know it's like there's that's where the uh, border is. So yeah, that would be that would be a good idea um, to yeah. kind of make that clear. And I have thought many times that in level thirteen, maybe what we should do is have in all of the sentence lessons that kind of hold your hand mentality with them. Like literally every sentence, we go, okay, well, how does this one go? And now what's this one about? Um, and then obviously stop doing that as you move forward. But in the very early mm. part have it be kind of like the hens of movie method is the beginning, 
but for sentences. And, uh, you know, the only thing I worry about with that is just that I know how it feels when you have seen a sentence several times and you sort of get it. And then you're hit with the ex explanation. It can feel really good. So it's kind of like if you can hold off that gratification a little bit, but then, you know, the grammar, uh, the grammar lessons were still in process of making them among the many other things that we're doing. So we have about, you know, we have several great grammar lessons, but it's, we have many more planned. So uh, I think that having some more stuff at the beginning could be a great uh, way to get people, you know, like yourself who want to know the why and like myself who want to know the why just having a little bit more uh, there for them. So that makes sense. Yeah. Right, nice. I mean, tr truthfully though, with the sentence stuff, you know, part of, I mean, it's a little bit painful right up front when we first jump into sentences, but part of the fun is that struggle of trying to figure out what's going on in these things, you know, and right. it's, uh, you get kind of lost, but then eventually you're like, okay, I kind of get what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, so the one other thing I might just throw out there is um, some of these sentences, there are um, words that have alternate meanings mm -hmm. um, that can sort of throw you for a loop when you're trying to figure out what's going on in the sentence. And, and I think they typically are pointed out or someone will make a, or have a question in the comment section and then it'll be answered there. Um, mm -hmm. But this, if there are those sorts of things that can be helpful to, to sort of make it a little more efficient to, to say, okay, this is just an alternate meaning for this character we've already run into. And right. I'm not trying to figure out why, why gun doesn't mean dry in this sentence. It means yeah, something yeah. else. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. That so. question has come up a lot and it's like that. Just, yeah, that totally. I totally agree. Um, and I think that, for now, as people are going through the course, like you said, the best thing to do if you run across something like that is just ask the question in the comments. Uh, because if everybody does that, it will naturally sort itself out because we'll yeah. answer them. And then like next thing you know, it's a, you know, so uh, I always encourage people if they're like, wait, what is this about uh, to ask? And so, you know, we're, and then in the case of something like we had a couple, for example, um, you know, the alternate pronunciation of le, which is liao. Uh, which means like to finish up something. And so like, there's a lot of times you'll have um, a sentence that is, includes a word like uh, I'm trying to think of an example for where you are in the course. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you've just entered level 15, that would mean that you've recently learned the character dung, which means to wait. So dung buliao would mean I can't wait, but I cannot, the, the process of waiting cannot be finished up right so dung bu liao right and so that's the kind of thing that we uh know you'll get as you move forward because it comes up all the time but it's not the primary pronunciation of look because the primary pronunciation is obviously the grammatical particle that comes up you know in almost every sentence practically and so uh it's we you know we had people asking like wait a second what's this about what's this and we realized okay we need to make sure that, that we cover this in a more explicit way earlier in the course and so yeah i i always um we're always looking for stuff like that and you know there's another thing that happens like we just um there is a degree of at some point you have to just build up your foundation enough so that you can read and let the context teach you stuff you know so eventually the the language you get good enough at the language, the language can teach itself to you by reading sure. it because there are so many words and little iterations of words. It's like, if you think, for example, low frequency words are low frequency, but how many low frequency words are in a thousand uh, character paragraph or, or article, I should say? Well, you know, probably about 10% of the article has contains a bunch of words that 
on their own are very low frequency. But, and so if you were to take the time to learn all of them meticulously bottom, bottom up, then that would just take forever. But if you can manage to figure them out because of the context, like every day I read um, all of the, the I, I like to read the Chinese news because I'm just curious, you know, what are the, what's the difference between what the Western media is saying versus what the Chinese media is saying? Yeah. I don't really trust yeah. either of them, but like, it's just interesting <laughs> to see what they're saying. And so I read the Chinese and all the time, there's a word that I technically haven't seen before, but because I know the characters and I can see the surrounding context, I can figure out you know, what it means. Occasionally I can't, but then that's always interesting to me. I'm like, oh, wow, what's that word? You know, and right. it, you know, it, it would be great if we could just uh, cover literally everything. But then I think about that and I always, I go, not, not only would learning that take forever, building a course around every little detail like that would take my whole life, right. but hey, maybe I'll do that. Um, but yeah, so anyway, I, um, I totally get that. And we want to, it's, it's striking that balance between being like, listen, some things you're going to have to figure out on your own, but then some things, uh, you know, if we can point them out, it'll just make it all the easier for you. So uh, that's always the balance we're trying to strike. So that's, those are some great suggestions, Chris. Thank you. Um, sure. So I guess finally, um, would you recommend Mandarin Blueprint to somebody who is uh, either starting to learn Chinese or just looking to get better? 100%. I, I mean, it just with all the times that I've tried to learn and the different techniques that I've tried, both just random books, just online things. Uh, for me, this course is just head and shoulders above anything I've run into. Um, you know, another, not only is it sort of true to what it says and all the, the, you know, the stuff I found online, the reviews and the advertising, you know, it's covers all these different components for pronunciation and basic, uh, you know, learning the characters and all that. But, I think a key part is that the pacing is entirely up to me, mm -hmm. you know, so what I have time for, what I have mental capacity for, be it that I'm tired from work or I'm just, you know, feeling really enthusiastic, you know, I can decide how much I want to learn in a given day, week, month. Um, that makes it actually a lot easier to progress. I found. So mm -hmm. yes, wholeheartedly, I would recommend Mandarin blueprint. Well, thank you very much, sir. And, uh, if anybody's interested in learning more, you can go over to mandarinblueprint.com. Thank you, Chris, for taking the time to speak with us today. And uh, uh, we'll see you on the course. And if you finish the uh, foundation course uh, at some point over the next uh, year or so, um, maybe we can get back on a call and we can see how you're doing at that point. So that's the end of level 36. So a few more, about twice as many levels to go, but I'm sure that uh, you'll get there. So hopefully we can speak again at that point. And of course, we'll speak on the course. So thanks so much. All right. Good talking to you.